0: in the last couple of lectures, we spoke about al-Imam al-Bukhari and his book Sahih al-Bukhari. Today, we begin with al-Imam Muslim and his book Sahih Muslim. Al-Imam Muslim, then, his name is Abu al or his kunya is Abu al-Husayn. Abu al-Husayn, Muslim ibn al-Hajjaj. Ibn Muslim, so his name was Muslim, the son of Al-Hajjaj, the son of Muslim, so he was Muslim and his grandfather was called Muslim, Abu al-Husayn Muslim, the son of Al-Hajjaj, the son of Muslim, Al-Qushayri Al-Nayzaburi, Wulida fi sanat arba' wa He was born in the year 204 Hijri, born in the year 204 Hijri, and that was incidentally the year in which Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i died. The year in which Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i died was the year in which Al-Imam Muslim was born 204 Hijri and he died mata sanata 160 and 200 for Hijra he died in the year 261 Hijri born in 204 Hijri and died in 261 Hijri What is the name of the book then? You remember when we spoke about Sahih al-Bukhari, that even though it's become popular as Sahih al-Bukhari, there was actually another title that Imam al-Bukhari had mentioned himself. So regarding Sahih Muslim, is there another title for this book or is it just Sahih Muslim? اشتهر هذا الكتاب بين العلماء باسم صحيح مسلم The book is widespread and famously known amongst the scholars as صحيح مسلم قال ابن الصلاح روينا عن مسلم رضي الله عنه قال صنفت هذا المسند الصحيح من ثلاثمائة الف حديث مسموع. Ibn Salah, one of the scholars of the past, he mentioned that we have been narrated, it has been narrated to us from Muslim radiallahu anhu, from an Imam Muslim, that he said, I wrote this book, I put together this book, known as Al-Musnad Al-Sahih. Al-Musnad Al-Sahih. From 300,000 hadith that he had heard. From 300,000 hadith, he selected them and put them into Sahih Muslim, which he named here as Al Musnad Al Sahih. Also, it's mentioned that Al Imam Muslim himself said, لَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْحَدِيثِ يَكْتُبُونَ مِئَةَيْسَنَةَ الْحَدِيثِ فَمَدَارُهُمْ عَلَى هَذَا الْمُسْنَدِ That he said, if the scholars or the people of hadith, the scholars of hadith, if they were to write hadith for 200 years, if they continued writing hadith for 200 years, then all of what they write would essentially revolve around what is in this Al-Musnad. And he means by that his book, Sahih Muslim. That it would all be revolved or revolving around this Musnad, meaning Sahih Muslim. So we can see in these two narrations, or these two reports, that Al-Imam Muslim was actually referring to Sahih Muslim as Al-Musnad or Al-Musnad As-Sahih. So that is in reference to the title of the book. Even though as we said, it is popular amongst the people and known amongst the people as Sahih Muslim. What was the reason behind Al-Imam Muslim writing Sahih Muslim? You remember we spoke about the reason behind why Al-Imam Al-Bukhari wrote Sahih Al-Bukhari. And there were a variety of reasons that were mentioned. One of them was that he had a dream that he was defending the sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam, uh, fanning with a fan the uh, flies, etc. away from the Prophet Sallallahu in another uh, report it was because his teacher uh, had mentioned that if somebody could put together the authentic narrations that would be something good and he said it fell into my heart and he did it and there were some reports of the reason why he wrote it Al-Imam Muslim now why did he write Sahih Muslim تَوَلَّى الْإِمَامُ مُسْلِمْ بَيَانَ أَسْبَابْ تَأْلِيفِهِ لِهَذَا الْمُسْنَدَ الصَّحِيحِ فِي مُقَدِّمَتِهِ حَيْثُ ذَكَرَ أَنَّ السَّبَبَ الْبَاعِثْ لَهُ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ أَمْرًا In this case, it is simpler, because there is an introduction that Al Imam Muslim wrote, and within that introduction, he himself clarifies the reasons behind why he wrote this book الاول اجابه لسؤال احد تلاميذه حيث قال في مقدمته ثم اننا ان شاء الله مبتدئون في تخريج ما سالت تاليفه على شريطه سوف اذكرها لك They say that one of the reasons then is, as Imam Muslim mentioned, it was because one of his students had requested it. One of his students had requested from him that such a compilation be done. And so he said in the introduction that it is in reply or response to one of the students who uh, uh, mentioned... The question to him, in fact, Al-Imam Muslim, his statement begins now, where he said, so indeed we, insha'Allah, will begin by extracting and putting together that which you have asked for. And that is in reference to the request from his student, that we will do this now upon what you have requested uh, for it to be compiled upon conditions that I will mention to you uh, as we come along. So, the fact that he mentions, إِنَّا إِنْ اللَّهُ مُبْتَدِئُونَ فِي تَخْرِيجِ مَا سألت That we are going to begin in putting together what you requested for us to put together and to write. The second reason, the second reason was similar to something mentioned about imam al-Bukhari, that because there were so many books written about hadith, but they were written in a way where they were all mixed with authentic narrations and narrations that were not authentic. Narrations that were weak. So there were books full of narrations like that. Authentic, not authentic, all mixed in. So Alima Muslim wanted to put something together that would be purely with the authentic again. And so he mentioned himself, وَلَكِنْ مِنْ أَجْلِ مَا أَعْلَمْنَاكَ مِنْ أَنَّ نَشْرِ الْقَوْمِ الْأَخْبَارِ بِالْأَسَانِيدِ الضِعَافَ الْمَجْهُولَةِ (laughs) بِهَا إِلَى الْعَوَامِ أَلَّذِينَ لَا يَعْرِفُونَ عِيُوبَهَا لَا يَعْرِفُونَ عِيُوبَهَا خَفَّ عَلَى قُلُوبِنَا إِجَابَتَكِ إِلَى He mentioned that because of what we have informed you regarding how the people they spread these chains of narration with weak chains and unknown chains and then they spread them amongst the common people who can't distinguish and can't work out and don't know the issues within those chains. Of course, the scholars, they know the issues in those chains. They know the ayyub of these asanid. But when those were written down and were being spread amongst the commoners, the commoners wouldn't know what the uh, uh, defects are in those chains of narration, what the issues are. And so, Imam Muslim... He said it became very easy upon us to make sure we respond to the request given and put a book out there which is just the authentic. Manhaj al Imam Muslim fi Sahih. What is the methodology of al Imam Muslim in his Sahih? How did he select what narrations to put in, etc.? تولى رحمه الله بيان منهجه الذي سار عليه في كتابه بنفسه في مقدمته فقال again in this case it is very easy because al muslim himself in his introduction highlighted what methodology he was going to tread upon in this particular book نعم فقال ثم ان ان شاء الله مبتدئون في تخريج ما سالت تاليفه على شريطه سوف اذكرها لك وهو أن نعمد الى جملة الى جمله ما اسند من الاخبار عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فنقسمه على ثلاثه اقسام وثلاث طبقات من الناس على غير تكرار الا ان ياتي موضع لا يستغنى فيه عن ترداد حديث فيه زيادة او زيادة معنى او اسناد العله تكون هناك لان المعنى الزائد في الحديث المحتاج اليه يقوم مقام حديث تام فلا بد من اعاده الحديث الذي فيه ما وصفنا من الزيادة او ان يفصل ذلك المعنى من جملة الحديث على اختصاره اذا امكن ولكن تفصيله ربما عصر من جملته فاعادته بهيئته اذا ضاق ذلك اسلم He mentions here that we are going to uh, rely upon or use a selection of that which has been attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, meaning the narrations. We have a selection of those narrations and that we are going to split them up into three categories and into three levels of people without repetition Remember we said in al-Imam al-Bukhari there was a lot of repetition that does occur of the narrations. He said without repetition, unless there is a need to do so, there is some need and you have to repeat a narration somewhere else. You can't live without it, the meaning, the chain, etc. There is some reason why it has to be repeated and therefore it will be repeated. But otherwise he attempts not to do the repetition. وَقَالْ فَأَمَّا مَا وَجَدْنَا بُدًّا مِنْ إِعَادَتِهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ حاجة مِنَّا إِلَيْهِ فَلَا نتولى فعله. إن شاء الله تعالى But wherever Wherever it is possible to avoid repetition Then he says He attempts to avoid repeating narrations So we mentioned that he said He splits it up into three categories What are those three categories? فَأَمَّا الْقِسْمُ الْأَوَّلِ as for the first فإنا نتوخى أن نقدم الأخبار التي هي أسلم من العيوب من غيرها وأنقى وأن يكون ناقلوها أهل استقامه في الحديث وإتقان لما نقلوه لم يوجد في رواياتهم اختلاف شديد ولا تخليط فاحش كما قد عثر فيه على كثير من المحدثين وبان ذلك في حديثهم The first category says that he will give precedence to those narrations that are the most sound and safe from any deficiencies and that the narrators of them are known to be people who are upright in hadith and they are precise in what they narrate and that you do not find any much difference in their narrations there isn't really any difference between the scholars about their narrations. They are solid, authentic, narrators of hadith. They don't really mix things up. Uh, and so that level of strength is his first category. فَإِذَا نَحْنُ تَقَصَّيْنَا أَخْبَارَ هَذَا الصِّنْفِ مِنَ النَّاسِ أَتْبَعْنَاهَا أَخْبَارًا يَقَعُوا فِي أَسَانِيدِهَا بَعَوْدٍ مَن لَيْسَ بِالْمَوْصُوفِ بِالْحِفَظِ وَالِتْقَانِ al-muqaddam Then he says, once we've got all of the narrations of this level of narrators of strength, we'll then move on to the next level, narrators who are not to the level of description we've mentioned about those in the first category. They are slightly less, not as strong in their memorization, in their precision, etc., as those in the first category. So slightly below them. And even if though, he says, even if we've now said these are slightly lower than the first category, not to be confused though, these are still absolutely authentic narrators. Just slightly lower in their level than the first category. But not to be confused, they're not weak or anything at all. They are authentic, reliable narrators in trustworthiness, truthfulness. But they're just not at the level of, of memorization and precision as the first category. And he gives some examples. عطاء بن السائب, يزيد بن أبي زياد, ليث بن أبي صليم, صليم. من حمال الآثار والنقال الأخبار. فهم وإن كانوا بما وصفنا من العلم والسطر عند أهل العلم معروفين فغيرهم من أقرانهم ممن عندهما ذكرنا من الإتقان والاستقامة في الرواية يفضلونهم في الحال والمرتبة لأن هذا عند أهل العلم درجة رفيعة وخصلة سنية So he highlights again that these narrators of this category even if they are slightly below the level of the first category they are still well known uh, with their precision and their abilities and their truthfulness, they are well known for all of that, they are authentic, but they're just not at that higher level of precision and memorization as the first category. <laughs> فاما ما كان منها عن القومهم عند اهل الحديث متهمون او عند الاكثر منهم فلسنا نتشاغل بتخريج حديثهم كعبد الله ابن مصور ابي جعفر المدائني وعمر ابن خالد وعبد الشامي ومحمد بن سعيد المصلوب. Uh, and he give some examples of them he says so That's the type of thing we're going to focus on. Narrators of good, strong, solid ability, authentic, trustworthy. They are the types of narrators we're going to take from. As for those who have been accused and have been mentioned by the scholars of hadith, that they are uh, weak or liars or have other issues with them, they have had... Those accusations leveled at them and they've been explained about them. Then those types of narrators, he says, we're not going to busy ourselves with them. We are not going to busy ourselves with them, preoccupy ourselves with them. And that list he mentioned, Abdullah ibn Musawwar, uh, Abu Ja'far al-Mada'ini, Amr ibn Khalid, Al Quddus al-Shami, etc. Uh, Muhammad ibn Sa'id al-Masloob. He said, we're not going to busy ourselves with that. وعلامة المنكر في حديث المحدث إذا ما عرضت رواياته للحديث على رواية غيره من أهل الحفظ والرضا خالفت روايته روايتهم أو لم تكد توافقها فإذا كان الأغلب من حديثه كذلك كان مهجور الحديث غير مقبوله ولا مستعمله. Similarly he mentions that the narrations that are considered munkar meaning narrations that basically are in opposition to what everything else is being narrated and said, that their narrations are in opposition to the narrations of the strong, reliable narrators, the scholars of, of memorization of Hrgoth, that he opposes their narrations, and they are in contradiction to their narrations, barely ever match up with the narrations of those trustworthy scholars, those of good memorization, Then again, he says these types, then we do not accept their narrations. So you can see that clearly Sahih Muslim is known as Sahih Muslim because Al Imam Muslim was very strict in only taking the narrations of those trustworthy, reliable narrators. And he wouldn't take the narrations of those who have been spoken about and scholars have mentioned their issues and their problems. He wouldn't look at them. He says himself, we're not going to preoccupy ourselves with that. Those types of narrators who've been spoken about, who have had uh, uh, their issues mentioned and their problems, he said we're not going to busy ourselves with them. Only the authentic, reliable narrators. شرط Imam Muslim fi صحيحه تَقَدَّمَ الْكَلَامُ عَلَى ذَٰلِكَ عِنْدَ الْكَلَامِ عَلَى شَرْطِ الْبُخَارِ فِي صَحِيحِ وَفِيمَا ذَكَرْنَاهُ فِي الْفَقْرَ السَّابِقَةِ من هَجُهُ فِي صَحِيحِ شيءٌ مِنْ ذَٰلِكَ فَلْيُرَاجِعُ هُنَاكَ We've already basically mentioned now what the condition of Al-Imam Muslim was. And that was that he would only take the narrations of those narrators who are agreed upon. There is... No difference really amongst any of the scholars about them. They are authentic, they are reliable, they are uh, uh, trustworthy narrators. There was one difference, like we said, regarding al-Imam Muslim and al-Imam Bukhari. Al-Imam al-Bukhari and al-Imam Muslim both only took the narrations of those reliable, strong, trustworthy narrators. But why was Al-Imam Al-Bukhari considered even stronger than Al-Imam Muslim? He wanted to know where the companions met. Not companions, but the other narrators. narrators. Because Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, he said, all of that, but on top, I want proof of where this narrator met that narrator. Al-Imam Muslim said, I don't need explicit proof of that. As long as there is Mu'asara That narrator C is narrating from narrator B and narrator C lived at the same time as narrator B. Narrator B died, for example, in 200 Hijri. Narrator C was born in 180 Hijri. So did they overlap? They overlapped. Narrator C would have been... 20 years old when narrator B died. So there is an overlap between them. He said as long as there is proof of overlap, that they lived at the same time, they were alive at the same time, and they are both authentic, reliable, trustworthy individuals, B and C, and C says, I got this narration from B, and they lived at the same time, they overlapped, they were in the same era, then Al-Imam Muslim says, that's enough. He's a reliable, trustworthy, authentic narrator. We, we already agreed upon that. So then I'm not going to accuse him of lying and saying that he took from B. He took from B in that case, if that's what he says. So in that case, Al-Imam Muslim accepts it. And that is completely acceptable. That is authentic a narration like that. But Al-Imam Al-Bukhari said, I want even more though. I want to see, I want to know. <laughs> Where and when did C come across B? Because C for example lived in Medina, B lived in Mecca. Did C go to Umrah or Hajj at some point whilst B was still alive? If there is proof, ah yes he did. So now there is that proof of them having met in Umrah or Hajj or something. Al-Imam Al-Bukhari wants that extra proof. Al-Imam Muslim says no it's not necessary and that's actually okay, it's not necessary. But if you're going to talk about absolute strength and something being absolutely solid, then no doubt what Imam al-Bukhari is saying is higher level to have even the proof of where and when they met or or proof of their meeting and hearing from each other. So no doubt that is stronger. And that's why they say the book of al-Bukhari is higher level than the book of al-Imam Muslim, even though the book of al-Imam Muslim Is completely authentic and what he's saying there is completely okay. But what Al Imam al Bukhari is saying is completely okay, plus one, even a bit more. Then after that, added a hadith Sahih Muslim. What is the number of narrations in Sahih Muslim? قال الحافظ العراقي ولم يذكر ابن الصلاح عدة أحاديث مسلم وقد ذكرها النووي في زياداته في التقريب فقال إن عدة أحاديثه نحو أربعة آلاف بإسقاط المكرر So one figure that has been mentioned by Imam الإمام النووي because Al Imam Al Nawawi did an explanation of Sahih Muslim. He mentioned that there are 4,000 approximately, without the repetitions, because there were still some repetitions in there. Without the repeated ones, he says there are approximately 4,000. He didn't mention how many there are if. You add all of the repeated ones. And remember, we said, if a hadith, the same hadith, has two different chains of narration on it, then that can be considered as two different hadith, even though the actual hadith is the same thing. It's the same words, it's the same meaning, it's the same hadith. But it has two chains of narration coming onto it. It's narrated by this chain of narration, that same hadith, and this chain of narration, that same hadith that can now be considered as two hadith. So in that way, they are called repeats. Even though you might look at and read the hadith and say it's the same as that. When you read the hadith, it's the same as that basically. But because it has different chains of narration, they are considered different independent narrations. So he didn't mention how many they are, but if you did add them up, he says, they'd be more than even what's in Al-Bukhari. وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ عَنْ أبي الْفَضْلِ أَحْمَدْ بن سلامه أَنَّهُ ألف حَدِيثِ And he said that I've seen from Abu fadl Ahmad ibn Salama that they are actually approximately 12,000 in that way. If you count them up with the repeated ones, that they are approximately 12,000 narrations in that way. عِنَايَةُ الْعُلَمَاء مُسْلِمْ How the scholars have uh given importance and looked after Sahih Muslim. What have they done to support and to uh, uh, provide extra assistance to Sahih Muslim after it was written. لم العلماء بكتاب بعد كتاب الله عنايتهم بالصحيحين After the Qur'an, There is no other book that the scholars have given more time to and more effort on than Al Bukhari and Muslim. They are the two books throughout history that scholars have given the greatest effort and time onto after the Quran. We've already spoke about how much effort they put onto Al Bukhari. How many explanations there were, how many extra books there were written around it. As early as the fourth century and fifth century, Then there were already books being written about the chains of narration in Al-Bukhari, the chains of narration in Muslim, the narrators in those chains of narration, who they are, what their biographies are. Those kinds of books were already being written in the 4th and 5th century, not in the 10th or 11th or 12th or 13th, right there at the beginning. Very soon after Al-Bukhari and Muslim appeared, their books appeared, then these other types of books on the chains of narration, etc. were being written. And there were books being written where some scholars were combining al and Muslim together. So they were examining the chains of narration of and Muslim all together into one book that they wrote. Or maybe explaining some of the hadith combined, some here, some there from Bukhari Muslim all together in one book. So there were some books where there was a compilation or they were gathering between... البخاري المسلم into them. وكتب الاستخراج عليهم وغير ذلك وس- نعم. وقد اعتنى العلماء بصحيح مسلم رواية وإسماعا إلا أنه اتصلت واشتهرت الروايات في العصار المتأخرة لصحيح مسلم برواية أبي إسحاق إبراهيم ابن محمد بن صفيان الفقيه الزاهد المجتهد رواية a, Ruwayata, a, a, sahih, Rawi, sahih Muslim. The scholars gave a lot of importance to Muslim and the main chain of narration after Muslim attaching us to Muslim is the one via Abu Ishaq, Ibrahim ibn Muhammad. So what are these explanations then that have been written of Sahih Muslim? We spoke about some of the explanations in Al-Bukhari, now to mention some of the most important and valuable explanations of Sahih Muslim. There is of course the famous one, the explanation of Al-Imam Al-Nawawi. Al-Imam Al-Nawawi has an explanation of Sahih Muslim, Al-Minhaj Fi Sharhi Sahih Muslim, Ibn Al-Hajjaj li Abi Zakaria Yahya ibn Sharaf and nawawi So Abu Zakaria al-Imam al-Nawawi he wrote that famous explanation of Sahih Muslim Similarly Ibn al-Salah Abu Amr ibn Uthman ibn al-Salah also wrote an explanation of Sahih Muslim There is also Anam, there is also al-Mufhim في شرح مسلم لعبد الغافر ابن اسماعيل الفارسي في شرح مسلم. there is also in fact those are three or four of the main ones there are others written by for example uh, Abu al-Fadl ibn Musa Ali hisbi uh, and also, there is Iqmal Ikmal Iqmal of Abu Rawh, Isa ibn Mas'ud, Al Zawawi, Al Maliki. So, these are four or five of the main explanations. The one that is mostly recognized and used and uh, uh, seen and known by the people is the explanation of Al Imam Al Nawawi. So, when you speak about Al Bukhari, the main known explanation is the explanation of Ibn Hajr. Fath al-Bari. And when it comes to Muslim, the main known explanation is that of al-Imam al-Nawawi. So that is a brief background into al-Bukhari and Muslim. We'll also begin today, we have a bit of time yet. We'll begin also now with the third book from the six. And that book today we'll begin with is Sunan of Abu Dawood. Sunan Abi Dawood. Abu Dawood then, what was his name? Al-Mu'allif Abu Dawood Sulaiman ibn al-Ash'af ibn Ishaq ibn Bashir ibn Shaddad al azdi al-Sijistani al-Imam Shaykh al-Sunnah Abu Dawood Sulaiman ibn al-Ash'af ibn Ishaq ibn Bashir That is the name of al-Imam Abu Dawood his book famously the name of his book is Muqitab Abi Dawud obviously famously it's known as just Sunan Abi Dawood*. Sunan Abi Dawood*, and that's the way that it's famously known as between the scholars and between the people Sunan Abi Dawood* ishtahara bayna al-ulama bis sunan ويبدو ان المؤلف نفسه سماه بهذا and in this case, it actually appears to be the case that Abu Dawood, Imam Abu Dawood himself named his book Sunan. He himself also named it the Sunan. حَيْثُ قَالَ فِي Because there is a letter that he wrote to the people of Makkah, and within that letter he said to them, فَإِنَّكُمْ سَأَلْتُمْ أَنْ أَذْكُرَ لَكُمُ الْأَحَادِيثِ أَلَّتِي He wrote in that letter, So indeed you asked me to mention to you the ahadith which are in the book as Sunan. So he himself refers to his book as the Sunan. Uh, whether they are authentic or not, etc. But the point being, he refers to his book himself as the Sunan. Wa in min risala In another place in that letter, he also says, Wa inna hadith fi And indeed, from the ahadith in my book, as Sunan. So in this case, it appears Al-Imam Abu Dawood himself actually named it the Sunan. Sunan Abi Dawood. Abi Dawood fi kitab What was his methodology in compiling this book as Sunan? جاء في رسالته إلى أهل مكة. Again, in his own letter to the people of Mecca, he says to them, فإنكم سألتم أن أذكر لكم الحديث التي في كتاب السنن أهي أصح ما عرفت في في الباب that you've mentioned that I should tell you about the hadith which are in the sunan are they the most authentic narrations I know in their relevant chapters in their relevant fields فعلموا أنه كذلك Annahu كذلك كله إلا أن يكون قد روي من وجهين صحيحين أحدهما أو أحدهما أقوم إسنادا والآخر صاحبه أقدم في الحفظ فربما كتبت ذلك أي الأقدم حفظا ولا أرى في كتابي من هذا عشرة حديث ولم أكتب في الباب إلا حديثا أو حديثين وإن كان في الباب حديث صحاح فإنه يكثر وإنما أردت قرب منفعته وإذا عدت الحديث في الباب من وجهين أو ثلاثة فَإِنَّمَا هُوَ مِنْ He mentions also that yes, he attempts to take the narrations that are authentic only. But sometimes, if a hadith is narrated from two different angles, and one of them is a stronger chain, but the other one is older in in in. Uh, In memorization, that he may sometimes give the priority to the older in memorization in his chain, but he says that is barely 10 uh, 10, uh, hadith or so, Uh, and he says that he will not write in any given chapter more than a hadith or two, uh, even if there are more than that which are authentic under that given topic. So a given topic, he'll only mention one or two hadith, even though there are many other authentic hadith in that given topic. And he won't repeat narrations unless there is some need or reason to have to repeat a narration for some extra benefit out of it. Uh, وَرُبَّمَا تَكُونُ فيه كلمة زيادة على الأحديث, Sometimes he says he mentions the long hadith in just the summarized form Because maybe he wants to highlight some particular point And he says if I write the whole hadith Then maybe the person won't understand what my point from the hadith is so sometimes he would only mention sections and summaries of the narrations to make the points clear. Al Hadith He says himself that he hasn't taken any narrations from those whose narrations are abandoned. Matrukul Hadith, The scholars, they abandoned him. They wouldn't take his narrations. That he hasn't mentioned any of those in his book either. There are some who could arguably fall into that category though. So maybe what he meant was that I haven't taken any of those types of narrators if they are agreed upon that they are matruk. Maybe some of them weren't agreed upon. So there are some narrators that are weak like that in the Sunan of Abi Dawood. But maybe that's because it was only some scholars who mentioned that weakness in them and others didn't. And so he took them. وَلَيْسَ نَعْمُ وَإِذَا كَانَ فِيهِ حَدِيث مُنْكَرُ بَيَّنْتُ أَنَّهُ مُنْكَرُ وَلَيْسَ عَلَى نحوه فِي الْبَابِ غيره. If there is a narration that is munkar meaning that it goes against other narrations in what it's saying he says sometimes I might put it in because there is no other narration in that field but that he will clarify if he does that he will clarify if he does that وَمَا كَانَ فِي مِنْ حَدِيثِ فِيهِ faqad also he says, if there are any narrations where there is a great deal of weakness in them, he might put them in, but he'll clarify that too. He'll put them in, but he'll clarify. وَمِنْهُمَا لَا يَصِحُ وَمَا لَمْ أَذْكُرْ فِيهِ شَيْءٍ فَهُوَ صَالِحٍ And some of them, their narrations may not be authentic, but he clarifies these things. And he says, if I don't say anything about a given hadith, I don't mention something about a given hadith, then that's because that hadith is okay. That hadith is okay, nothing to be said about it, so I don't say anything about those ones. وَبَعَضُهَا أَصَحُ مِنْ بَعَضٍ And some of the narrations are more authentic than others. So, Imam Abu Dawood is saying, that there will be and there are some narrations that may have some issues with them, but that he clarifies that. Why did he put them in then? Because like we said, his book is about the fiqh. That he was highlighting these are the narrations scholars use, in their clarification of fiqh, in their opinions of fiqh. And but he clarifies though that this narration may be weak, this narration may have some issue in it. So it's not the same objective as Al-Bukhariya Muslim. His objective wasn't, I'm going to write a book authentic like Al-Bukhariya Muslim. That wasn't the purpose here. His purpose was a bit different. It was more about explaining the different hadith that are used in fiqh. Even if some of them have some issues, He would put it there so you know that's the hadith that's used for X, Y, and Z. And he would highlight if there's a problem with it. But at least then you know why such and such a fiqh position is taken. That's the hadith they use. So it was for that type of different purpose how he put his narrations together. That's where we're going to stop on today. On that point, inshaAllah. There's more to come on Sunan Abi Dawood yet. Uh, And we'll mention that in the next class. And then after we finish that, inshallah ta'ala, we'll move on to the Sunan, or the Jami'ah of At-Tirmidhi, inshallah ta'ala. Any questions up to there then? In that case, we'll round off on that. We'll carry on next week at the same time, inshallah, approximately 7.15. Remember this week, Wednesday and Thursday, there's a conference in Birmingham. Two day conference, uh, lectures all day long, starting probably around about Dhuhr time. Dhuhr all the way till Isha, after Isha till evening, 9 10 pm. Two days of lectures with several students of knowledge, etc., graduates who will be there lecturing. So, inshallah ta'ala, attempt to go there and attend for the Wednesday and the Thursday, 25th and the 26th of December. You can get the details of the brothers, the address, and everything right street just off Coventry Road, the Salafi Masjid, inshaAllah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala'ala nabiyyina Muhammadu ala alihi wa sahbihi ajmal